This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on? Don't What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber, and alongside me virtually is Logan Camden. And today we're going to check in on the conference finals. It's been a little bit since we've done a pod. And one of these series, we kind of have a team knocking on the door. The Warriors had a chance to close it out on Tuesday against the Mavs. They had a 3-0 series lead. And I would say pretty unsurprisingly lost game four. They were bound to let up at some point, but... They have certainly been, up to this point, the team that has cruised the most comfortably through the playoffs, and they have been quite impressive overall in this series, even with that letdown performance. So, Logan, obviously, it's not a decided outcome yet, but we know the precedent with coming back from 3 nothing deficits, and it is non-existent. So, let's just start with the Warriors first. How impressed have you been by the level they've been playing at, and do you feel like they have to be the title frontrunner at this point? Like, just what are your thoughts on the dubs and the level they've been playing at? 100% I think to the title front runner at this point. Um, I'm not as high on the Dubs as my dad is. My dad went as far after uh, Game 3 to say that he thought the Dubs were going to sweep the Mavs and sweep the finals. I told Poo! him he was nuts. Jimmy take. Um, <laughs> yeah, a radical Jimmy take uh, to kick off the series. I told him I thought the Mavs were going to win this last game, as they did. But no, I think Golden State has to be the title front runner at this point. You talk about their dominance through the playoffs, but I mean, you just look at what Golden State does better than every other team left in the playoffs. And we'll just look at Miami and Boston because I do think this series is done. Offensively, I don't know how you – like, Boston's got the best defense left in the playoffs, and I think it's the only leg that they have up over Golden State. I think Golden State has more difficult shot makers than Boston. Um, you know, I mean, Steph, Poole, Clay. I think they've got a better offensive identity, and that's probably why I lean Golden State so heavily, depending on you know whoever comes out of the East. I just think that all the backdoor cutting, all the off-ball movement, all the little action that Golden State does offensively, it's hard to defend. I think Boston's going to struggle with that. And then Golden State's great defensively. Not on top of, like, actually, one more point I want to make offensively. Not only are they great, like, perimeter shooting-wise, too. I mean, they have been able to get to the rack at will. I don't think that's going to be the same against Boston, but um, they're also pretty great at getting downhill. Steph has been amazing in this series. And then I think they're great defensively. Like, I just think that Golden State has the deepest team left in this field. I think they've got the best shot makers left at the top of their team. I think they have the second best defense behind Boston, and it's really close. And, yeah, I mean, I I just think Golden State point blank is the most talented team, the deepest team, and the best two-way team left in these playoffs. I think... I think Boston has a shot to win the finals, Carson, but Boston is going to have to play their best basketball in, like, genuinely. Like, I just don't know if I can trust them to string together four competent games of basketball. And that's hard to say at this point in these playoffs. So we're going to get a – we already knew this. We were going to get really flawed teams out of both sides of the playoffs. But I just don't trust Boston enough to string 
together four really great games of basketball. And uh, I don't know. And I think Golden State's just flat out better. So, yeah, I mean, they're my title favorite. I'm picking Golden State probably in either five or six, depending on who we get out of the East. I'm pr- I'm guessing we're going to get Boston. So if I had to put my money on it, I'd go Golden State in six. How are you feeling? I unequivocally think that they're the best team left. And I'm so upset with myself that I wavered on that point because for so much of the regular season, basically until the injury bug bit them, I was adamant about this is the team come playoff time that has the highest ceiling that would be my title pick. You talk about the cohesion offensively. They were the best defense in the league through a lot of the regular season until Draymond got hurt. I thought their depth was so impressive. And I thought just their structure and their identity their ability to play complimentary basketball. They had the top five caliber superstar guy, and it was like, hey, if Jordan Poole reaches his ceiling once Clay gets back at full health, I was so adamant in my belief about the ceiling of this team. And then I think I was foolishly turned off by stuff that just really wasn't representative of what they were as a basketball team. It's not that surprising if your defense regresses from best in the league to 20-something best when you lose the best defensive player alive. It's not that surprising that your offense falls off significantly when you don't have Steph Curry, right? Like, the signs were always there. Regular season, when Draymond and Steph played together, they were 29-7. and They had a net rating of plus 14.8 in those minutes. I mean, unbelievable defensively in an elite offense. So it's just like, the signs have always been there. This team has immense talent top to bottom. They have a level of consistency that I don't think you see anywhere else. Like, they have had, I guess, two letdown games now in these playoffs because obviously Game 5 against Memphis and now what we saw yesterday against the Mavs. But overwhelmingly, they have put forth a really high-level basketball product and they've been able to flip the switch when they Mm -hmm. need to on both ends. And there's just a versatility. There's a lethal menu of options of guys who can beat you on any given night. We've seen that offensively with the secondary creation that you get from Poole and Wiggins and the potential for Clay to just have a monster shooting night. And defensively, I just think we've seen them mix up their coverages so effectively against the Mavs and play so well in man. And we saw them throw in the 3-2 zone and give some trouble mm-hmm. with that. And they just have everything. They have all the tools in terms of coaching and personnel on both ends and I'm just upset that I ever questioned that because this team is unbelievable. I think you have to give immense credit to Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Draymond Green for their ability to be consistent pillars of a dynasty. Mm -hmm. And it's a remarkable story. I mean, for them to have such a devastating loss in 2019 where it feels like, okay, is this it? You have the departure of KD. You have, obviously, a catastrophic injury to Clay, And then you have a subsequent disastrous season. And then another catastrophic injury to Clay. And it's just like, for two years, they were in limbo. And it was kind of like we forgot a little bit. Or maybe just I couldn't fully envision them getting back to this level where it's like it feels like they are clearly the best team in the field. And it's remarkable. They've done an incredible job of building this roster and establishing roles and... They're a phenomenal basketball team. I don't know that there's that much more to say. I have so much more faith in them holding up a high level over a seven-game series than I do anybody else, and I think that the Mavs are over and done with. I'd be surprised if this wasn't over tomorrow. I think Luka does get another game. I think this goes six. Um, Really? Well, okay, if they do it on the road, I don't know. To me, that reopens the whole series up, kind of. Um. I don't know. I, I think Golden. I, that is a good point. They are going to be back in the Bay. I just. I think Luca. I think Luca's got a little magic in him. This is at least going to be another tight game. I, I do think there's one aspect that you left out about Golden State that we hit, did have questions about um, throughout the regular season that has kind of been flipped on its head, at least in this series. And that's. I don't know. The reason that I have faith in uh, more faith in Golden State heading into the finals now is the play of Steph in this series. Like I thought, Steph has unequivocally been the best player in this series. I thought he's finally you know, pulled his weight as the guy, which he has struggled to do in these first two series, which he had struggled to do during the regular season. Um, I mean, this series, he's got, you know, 26-8-7 and seven on 48-47 splits. He's been impactful defensively. He's been a great rebounder. He's been hitting big-time clutch shots. And I don't want to take away from what Luka has done because what Luka did last night, what Luka does on a nightly basis is magnificent. But Steph has been the best player in this series, and... 
that was always the biggest swing factor. You know, we can talk about all these other variables that happened during the season. The swing factor was if Steph was going to be at his best. And if this is the Steph we're getting moving forward, um, yeah, Golden State's my, uh, the team to beat. I do have one more question for you, Carson, as a Warriors fan. You, you talk about the drama of, you know, going up and down, um, you know, all, all, the, all the lows after that 2019 finals. I mean, do you think maybe there's a... I can't remember who I heard talk about this, if it was Broussard or somebody on ESPN, but, I mean, do you think maybe Golden State has a chance for a, like, a revival dynasty? Like, as in, like, not as in Steph takes a back role, but we see the other guys like Kuminga, Moody, Wiseman, Poole all step up, and we see maybe a second wind out of these guys, like an even longer title window than we previously imagined. It's an interesting question. I'm hesitant to overstate the value of the young guys if we're talking about actual like dynasty construction right i think that jordan Poole is a star caliber player or is at the very least firmly in that trajectory and has had plenty of moments where he's looked like that guy i mean these playoffs he's been 18 and a half on 52 40 91 splits and we've seen his brilliance as a scorer his growth as a playmaker offensively he is completely dynamic but I mean, I don't think he has that kind of superstar threshold. And then you look at the other guys. Kaminga, I think, very arguably has the highest ceiling. I think his ability to produce instant offense is already so evident. His athletic advantage in so many situations is so impressive. His defensive tools. Like, to me, if anybody's going to be all NBA, it honestly might be him. But that's so theoretical. He's so far away from that. He's still 19 years old and is, like, you know, working his way into the rotation. And then when it comes to Wiseman, you know, I mean, obviously, he's an impressive athlete. I would have no confidence in him becoming a star-level player, and Moody, to me, is like a really good role player down the line. So, Steph Curry is completely fundamental to everything that this team does. I mean, he is the offensive system, as we've seen so many times over. He is enabling such great opportunities with his gravity. And, of course, you have to credit Steve Kerr for empowering and emphasizing the importance of off-ball movement. And we do see the creativity with the cutting and the movement around Steph in Golden State that just doesn't exist elsewhere. But he is so important to enabling that. He is the only true offensive superstar here. And so it's just like, if Steph takes a bit of a step back, and if he is like, you know, in the fringes of that top 10 conversation, but you have... Pool now closer to his peak, and you have a firmly emerging Kaminga, and you still have Draymond and Clay close to their peaks, and all the pieces are around them, then yeah, I could see that being uh, an extension, but this dynasty does not go past Steph Curry, I can certainly tell you that, and I don't think it's going past another two to three years from now, just because I think once he is no longer like firmly superstar status... I don't know. I'm skeptical of them having enough because I do believe that it's incredibly difficult to win a title without that one individual super high-end player. And Steph has obviously been that forever. I mean, all the evidence you need, and there's plenty of evidence, but I mean, he is like the best on-off splits of anybody ever, right? No, no one's team, I believe, since they began tracking this data, which was 25 years ago, has been better by more with their guy on the floor as compared to when he's off the floor. It's every single year, double digits, possessions per 100, uh, points per 100 possessions, they're better with him. So, I don't know. What do you think? No, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I think you said it pretty well. I just think it's kind of remarkable, and you don't see it very frequently, the kind of a team constructed like this that is so built for right now, that is built to contend, that is built to be great, but is also so young like down the depths of this mm -hmm. line like and you talk about like they barely even play I was surprised to see Kuminga and Moody out there for so much I felt like they kind of threw the game away early on in like the second quarter when they shouldn't have been getting PT Dallas kind of ran the lead up but I just think it's kind of remarkable that there's so much young so many young gifted guys down here in the rotation that I don't know that are going to keep this thing going and I don't think to to speculate on a title window, I think, like you said, Carson, post-Steph Curry, post-Draymond Green is too theoretical. But if Kuminga pops, and I believe in Kuminga, if Kuminga pops, I can see an older Steph Curry. And I, you know, spot up, running off screens, you know, doing less ball handling duties. 
you know, Poland come in, get the top, dude. I, I can see them being contenders in the West for a very long time with this core if they can keep them together. In a world where Steph is not the best player on the team? This is way down the road, probably five to six years where Steph at this point is being used as a straight-up catch-and-shooter, off-ball relocator, you know, mm-hmm. less of a ball-handling role. But, yeah, I 100%. I think that they're too far away for me to say that with any confidence, and I don't want to understate the monumental all-time offensive value of Steph Curry. But what I will say is there's not a better culture in the NBA right now than the Golden State Warriors. I firmly believe that, and I think that this season made that incredibly clear. They are disciplined. They are consistent. They are cerebral. They are unselfish. They are a unit in every way. I mean, it is the epitome of complementary basketball, which it always has been. And of course, there's tremendous talent there as well. But as we said so many times over, I don't think there has ever been a team that has amplified its talent more than the Golden State Warriors. And I think that we are seeing that again. And I think that they have to be the title favorite. So I suppose we can look to the Mavs for a second. Because I think that although this hasn't been their strongest showing, it's difficult for me to be disappointed with a conference finals run out of this team given... Well, first of all, just their seeding and the fact that they weren't supposed to be there. They weren't supposed to beat the Suns. But more than that, I mean, the first half of this year was not at all pretty for them or Luka. And then they went on a tear, and here they are. So what have you thought about this from the Mavs? And as they look forward, how do you feel about their prospects in trying to replicate this run and what they have to do to achieve that? Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at the totality of this season, like, I thought at the trade deadline when they moved off of Kristaps Porzingis, it was the Dallas Mavericks uh, getting out their their white flag and waving it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, We're hitting the reset button. We're retooling the roster. We're going to... Going to this off, you know, we're going to lose in the first round or something, and we're going to retool this offseason and see what we can make happen. Um, with a talent like Luka Doncic, I mean, the Mavericks kind of always knew that that was never going to be the case. I never thought for a second uh, that this trade was going to work out that well. I love them getting off of Kristaps' contract, as we discussed. It's bad money mm-hmm. for a player that is not very versatile, um, just not very impactful at this point. Kristaps never popped like we thought he would uh, after the big injuries. And Dinwiddie and Bertans came in here and played their roles to perfection. I can't overstate the impact of Spencer Dinwiddie in these playoffs. Wow. Last night. I'm sorry. No, this is not true. How could you say Dinwiddie played his role to perfection? Cracker, he was told to go out there and get buckets. And what did Dinwiddie do? He got buckets. 42% on twos. He had so many hideous performances. He got buckets. Perfection, my friend, is quite strong. Bertans has had some brutal shooting games. He's ba- he's damn near been an offensive non-factor in a lot of these playoffs. He plays like 11 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, look, bro, I said perfection. His job is to come in, run off of a screen, and miss six threes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, that's saying, Breton's role. Okay, well, he's getting paid $16 million a year. Yeah, I mean, but the, the crazy part about this is just, like, not having Kristaps out there has made this team better. Just having <laughs> the floor open for these yeah. guys has worked. Um. You talk about replicating it, and that's the big issue is moving forward, right? We have the fluky Nuggets run. We have a Trailblazers run in here. Now we have a Mavs Western Conference Finals run. How do you bounce off of this and come back next year and do this again? The biggest issue that the Mavs are going to run into is just consistent scoring, and I know that's kind of counterintuitive with a guy like Luka Doncic, but they're just so dependent on the three ball. I mean, that's why you have these blowout games. It's why you have games where the Mavs just kind of disappear and fall off the face of the earth. Um Kleba has, I mean, Kleba has had a horrid series. Um, every shooter down this rotation until last night, I mean, was pretty bad. Like, they were getting open looks at will, um, except for that good first half that they had. Um, it was a game two. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of good shooters here, but you need more consistent offense to be created inside the arc. That's why the Warriors have been so great. They've been, you know, yeah, we'll let you take all these open threes and clang them. You know, we're going to get up in your face and defend them. We're going to get downhill, and we're going to get points in the paint. Uh, Because I think it's just too – we said this about jaw, and that's why um, jaw-dropping it was that the Grizzlies were able to do something like this without a second star. I think it's a little too ambitious to go out and just say, oh, yeah, the Mavs need to go out and get a second star. I don't know what they do, Carson, but you need guys who can get inside the arc and make their – you know, guys who can get downhill and score points in the paint and, you know – 
can take the ball out of Luka's hands. And so I don't know if that means, you know, you want to move off of a guy like Dinwiddie for a guy who's more efficient. You know, I mean, Brunson's going to stick around. I think you need more impactful wing defenders. I think you need a more impactful defensive five. So, I mean, just get Mm -hmm. better defensively all the way around because the Mavs defense blows. And then offensively, try to find, I guess, guess a more efficient secondary ball handler, uh, you know, to play alongside Luka. Um, yeah, that's what I would probably do this offseason. What do you think? I remain adamant about the point that they are simply still at a bit of a talent deficit, and it's really on the high end of things. Like they just need. First of all, I agree with everything that you addressed, and I do think that one need of theirs is a truer five than Dwight Powell, just because 100%. for the fifteen minutes that they are playing four out, one in. And, I mean, I love the five-out stuff. I'm completely with you. I think that the amount of space they have is unbelievable. It makes the jobs of Brunson and Dinwiddie creating shots individually so much better. It gives Luka so much space to work with as a scorer and so many lethal options to kick to. It's beautiful for offense. They bust their asses defensively and made it work to the point where their defense was the stronger of the two units this regular season. But although Powell works offensively, I just think, like, You need to have options. You need to have multiple ways to attack teams on both sides. And obviously, Boban, it's gimmicky. And uh, with Powell, I just don't think he's offering enough defensively. So that's like kind of, you know, one of the minor spots that I think they need to address. But fundamentally, they need guys who can do what Brunson and Dinwiddie do, but better. And it's not that those guys were bad, obviously. I mean, you look at Brunson's overall production from these playoffs, and it's 22 a game on 47% from the field, although obviously he was particularly ridiculous in the first series and then came down to earth a little bit. Dinwiddie had his moments of brilliance, but again, wasn't overly consistent or efficient. But it's like, find a way to get that second actual perimeter star. We've been saying it a million times, so I don't want to just be a broken record, but... You look at a guy like Zach Levine, who apparently it's no longer a certainty that he re-signs in Chicago. I mean, you have mid-sized contracts you can work with, man. You have THJ on the books for $19 million and Dinwiddie for $18 million and Bertans for $16 million. And I feel like you can try to make a sign-in trade happen there. You know, package a couple of those contracts, get a pick. Like, I just think they are fundamentally just not talented enough to actually win it all. They're talented enough to be a great basketball team because they have a good system in place. They have a supernova talent who elevates everybody around him. They have a good defensive coach. They're committed to playing basketball their way. When the shooting is on fire, I mean, the offense can be unstoppable. Like, they have great complementary pieces. They have a really good idea of how to maximize the talent they have, but they just need a little bit more talent is my ultimate take. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard the rumors I agree with you too. I mean, the Dallas Dallas plays a really fun brand of basketball. Um, any any merit to the Rudy Gobert rumors? Because as days pass, I mean, I feel like I hear him charted to Dallas more and more often. Would you like that? Do you think it's kind of egregious? I mean, I don't want to pay the guy that much money, and that's probably yeah. why I wouldn't go with Gobert. But um, would he make them better, or do you think that kind of kills what they do offensively? How did it go the first time that they tried to find a fundamentally flawed second star for Luka who they were going to have to pay major money to and all of a sudden they're fair. tied to him in handcuffs and handcuffed and can't bring in another star? Like, that's my philosophy. It's if you're going to get the second star from Luka, you need to do it and the urgency should be there, but it has to be the right guy. There is not a team in the NBA that will want to be paying Rudy Gobert not just 40 something million dollars next year, but $47 million in 2025-26. That will be an abomination of a contract. So I would not do that. I mean, sure, he can bring some value. He can certainly elevate their defensive ceiling, and it's fine offensively, but it's just like the five-out stuff they have works so well. Imagine Zach Levine with this space, dude. I mean, he could score... Like 28 a game on 65% true shooting for all I know, dude. He wasn't even that far off from that two years ago. But that is just like a perimeter creator's dream. Maybe you would want a guy who's a little bit better as a playmaker. I'm keying in on Zach Levine just because he's the best free agent. What? I do. I'm just thinking about, I mean, the difference though is Dinwiddie and Brunson, even though they were able to, you know, really effectively get downhill and score in the paint and just because they're crafty, a yeah. guy as explosive as Zach Levine would be yeah. 
monstrous in this situation because the paint's going to be open all day and he is just going to feast on those open lanes. I mean, yeah, I explosive cutter to unbelievable catch and shooter. And like, again, Bradley Beal has a player option. And so we'll see what he decides to do. But that's another guy who I would look at. Like, just give me that true dynamic second elite scoring guard, competent playmaker, can play both away from and on the ball. And I think the Mavs would be a title contender. Hear me out on this. Taylor Horton Tucker in a first-round pick okay. from Luka Doncic. Thoughts? Yeah, I love that. I actually do really, really like that, Logan. I think they should make that happen. Dream Any pairing. Any other I mean, thoughts? Yeah, I, I would pair up Luka and LeBron. I don't know why they haven't done that already. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, any other thoughts on the Mavs? Luka? Yeah, I mean, what hell of a fucking run. I mean, this is... Yeah. Uh, we talked about this. I don't want to get too much into this. I don't have to give this big spiel because I gave it last pod that we were on eight days ago. You know, we took a big break. Um, <laughs> I mean, what Luka did this season was historic, like utterly historic. A, a, to beat a 60-win team... Damn near single-handedly, um, unpre- basically unprecedented. Basically, in my opinion, one of the most impressive feats that we've ever seen in basketball since, like LeBron dragging that ass squad to the 07 Finals. So, I mean, in retrospect, this is a huge, massive win of a season. And like you said, Carson, I think to do this at such a talent deficit is encouraging because it's like mm-hmm. we can only get—not that you can only get better from here, but I mean, in theory, like. This roster can't get that much worse. I mean, again, Brunson is my guy, but it's not like there's not that many, you know, super impactful guys here. So, I mean, I'm just – this is huge. This was a massive, massive successful season uh, for Dallas, and I think – yeah, I think it only gets up from – you can only get better from here. Yeah, I was a phenomenal run from Luka, and there have been some flaws from him in this series in terms of just pure shot making, and the defense has certainly been an issue, but – I just think if he can lock in just a little bit more, up his conditioning a little bit, and just up the consistency of his defensive effort, which I think is totally interrelated with the conditioning because it's such an overwhelming offensive load for him to carry. He has to be in insane shape, and he's just not. Uh, Then I think that, I mean, they are incredibly dangerous. And like you said, it's an unbelievable accomplishment. And his playoff production historically it's just unthinkable dude 33 9 and 8 on good efficiency the fucking closeout game numbers too man make him a make luca a fucking myth yeah so i i think a majority of what needs to happen is around him as we've talked about and i i really do believe that the mavs have the potential to insert themselves into this conversation again as one of the last four teams but not by standing pat they can't look at this roster and say we're good enough because guess what when everybody around you gets better you got to get better as well especially if you were already at a talent deficit and we're kind of being carried by that supernova and the defensive effort and some of the pure shooting all right let's flip out east where we have just had an absolute freak show of a series hasn't been a competitive game through four which is so so odd what have your thoughts been on Celtics Heat so far, Logan? Yeah, fuck this series, first off. Um, Love it. Second off, Miami showed their true colors, and uh, I am kicking myself for, for going back and, and betting on Jimmy because my eyes didn't <laughs> lie to me. My eyes did not deceive me. I know what I saw during the regular season. I know what I saw in these last... We didn't actually No, we didn't see in these last few series, but I damn sure saw it all regular season. The lulls, the... Yeah. Fucking bricklaying uh, the masonry company that the Miami Heat became. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just kicking myself for for moving away from what I initially thought about this team um, because they've really shown who they really are. And I mean, some of these games have been circumstantial. You know, the game where Jimmy gets hurt. I don't really hold that against Miami, but I mean, this last game was a fucking stinker. Uh, yeah, I, what would they say? Like uh, the least amount of points that the Heat have ever scored in like a first quarter of a playoff game. I mean, they threw all kinds of numbers. It was abysmal. It was one to seventeen. Victor Oladipo is the only motherfucker that like he showed up and wanted to play the game. Like, yeah, Miami just does not have the offensive talent to to win the NBA Finals. And there's we can nope. get into the weeds of it. Like, 
Hero has just not been as efficient as he was in these first couple series as he was during the regular season. It's tough against this Boston defense. They have made everything hard on him. They've made everything hard on Jimmy. Jimmy has had his moments, but his best game was when Marcus Smart and Al Horford were out. Since then, I mean, you look at the quarters, too. I mean, they throw, they throw this stat up every game. Uh, Boston's won all but two quarters in this series, so it's like Miami is the worst team here. Boston is just better. It's yeah. just Boston has it. You and Jason talk about this all the time on Hoops Tonight. Boston has the lowest ceiling of any team, and so when they disappear like that. Lowest floor. Yeah, excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, lowest floor. Excuse me. Um, both these teams are just inherently deeply flawed. Miami just sucks a little bit more, and there's things that I think <laughs> yeah. they can do to get better. Um well, I actually, I don't know if I can say that. I think that Hero can get better next season. I think Oladipo can get better next season. I think Jimmy can. I think Bam can. I really think Bam can because, I mean, you saw the game where Jimmy was out and Bam just took over. I wish Bam did that damn near every game. You know, I just yeah. wish he would impose his will on the game a little more, try to get downhill. I mean, he's 6'11", 250. Like, you're a good jump shooter. I just wish Bam would, would well. try, to, try to attack a little more um, as an offensive player. And then, yeah, yeah, I don't know if we're looking at like Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry is a shell of himself. He's washed. He sucks. Uh, I don't think he's the answer here. I think you move off of him in the offseason. But yeah, I don't know. My big takeaway is I'm just disappointed in myself that I didn't realize how shitty Miami was offensively. And I mean, we could have seen this coming, but they just can't compete, dude. It, Jason, Ta- I would take Jason Tatum and JB over Miami's top four. I don't care. Like they're just. Boston really is in a different class, and if they didn't disappear so often, this series would probably already be over. And if they were healthy game one, they may be up 3-1. Yeah, Boston's going to finish this thing off. They're going to lose in the finals, and uh, Miami's going to head off to Cancun, I guess, and think about life. Yeah, the Heat are good, but, I mean, if I'm thinking about legitimately where do they rank among the best teams in basketball this year, uh, they're not in my top four. I can certainly tell you that. I mean, I think that obviously the healthy Bucks are way better. I think that all of the top four teams out West are better. And I think that the Celtics are better. So I guess I would put them at like seven. And they're kind of just here as a product of favorable circumstance and you know, playing a bit above their level at times. But like, obviously they were never going to lose in the first round. And then they came into a Philly team that was imploding. And, uh, I don't know. Here they are. Like, they didn't belong here. I don't think that we treated them like they belonged here for a while. They are a very good defensive team. They are a sometimes good offensive team. They are really never a great offensive team. And there's simply a talent deficit, dude. I mean, they are reliant on Jimmy Butler playing at, like, a top-five player level that just isn't normal for him. And they need Bam to be more assertive and more dominant offensively than is just kind of his nature. Like, he just doesn't want to always do that he's not prone to stepping up and trying to create like that and then outside of that dude it's like I mean fourth best player on this team right now is PJ Tucker fifth best is like Oladipo or Max Struess I don't know maybe you can put what just just the concept of Max Struess starting in a conference finals cracks me up. yeah that's where we're at though so I don't hey. want to, like, write the eulogy for the Heat, like, because it's not over, right? I mean, it's two games apiece at the time of this recording, Carson. and they have two Carson. out of the three home games. Carson. What? It's over. It's not over. The Celtics it's... are prone to brutal stretches of offensive decision-making. The Heat have two out of three home games. They fight like hell. Jimmy has somehow managed to, you know, get above his normal level, although obviously we have, I don't know, some injury stuff, but... I don't you wanna, know. You want to you want to make a taco bet right now? Game? No, uh, of course I think the Celtics are gonna win. No, I think this. No, no, not even on the outcome of the series. My bet is they do it. They finish off these last two games, and it's a wrap. No, I don't even want to bet on that because I'd be zero percent surprised if that happened. My point is, I just don't feel comfortable eulogizing a team that's two-two with home court advantage. I'll eulogize against them. another it's team that is Miami. very flawed. I do have one. Do, okay, I, I think. you are so incredibly confident about things prematurely Logan and it, it really bites you sometimes and you so did I'm, say that Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie had done their jobs perfectly these playoffs and Davis Bertans scored four points per game 
Well, I mean, I just say that because he comes out there and shoots, and that's his job. <laughs> he's not good at <laughs> His job is to make shots. Uh, see, he's not great at making them, but see, Davis' <laughs> job is to take threes. That's what people don't understand. Davis is out there uh-huh. to shoot, not to make uh-huh. shots. Um, okay. Do you think I'm so you see no conceivable people? path to victory for the Heat? Yeah, of course I do. I mean, um, it, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. Then how can you eulogize them? I guess I can, but it's it's really slim. It's like ninety to ten. Yeah, um, it is slim. Call me crazy for this take, Carson. I think maybe the Heat. Uh, I, I feel I feel weird actually putting this on the pod. Are the Heat better with Gabe Vincent instead of Kyle Lowry? Uh, I don't know that they're better, but I don't think they're missing a ton. Dude, I, I just I don't really. I mean, Lowry was. I don't brutal. think we've taken into account how precipitous this fall off has been. Like it was not a good regular oh, yeah. season for Lowry. It has been an abysmal postseason, and just like watching him, dude, Lowry, Lowry literally just cannot get downhill. He cannot beat anybody off the dribble anymore. He cannot. He's such a bad, difficult shot maker at this point. And he was never really like, he was a good one, but at six foot now, limited athleticism. I don't know, dude. I think Lowry like is genuinely com- almost completely washed. It certainly feels like it, and I will say. I mean, he's dealing with a hamstring thing. So when you're talking about hampering explosiveness, there are a few things that are worse, but he's certainly not ever explosive. I would never use that word to describe Kyle Lowry. He was super uh, passive in terms of his scoring for so much of this regular season, but he's definitely been a lot worse in the playoffs. I mean, it's 6.4 a game on sub 30% from the field, 23.5% from deep. Like that's uncharacteristically atrocious basketball but the Celtics are simply uh, more talented and I do think that their defensive ceiling is still so incredibly high I mean like you said they're just flat out the best defense that there is in the NBA right now I don't I don't have confidence in them beating the Warriors I don't think it's impossible I do think it would be impossible well okay nothing's impossible I think I would be so far beyond shocked if the Miami Heat won the title this year I, 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 I would be in shock. Let me ask you this then. Yeah. You do think there is a conceivable path to victory. What has to go right for Miami to win uh, two out of these next, uh, what, three? Mm-hmm. Superhuman Jimmy. Uh, knockdown shooting all around. And they play at a really high level defensively. And they are more consistently engaged and bring more effort than Boston and lull them into some stretches of bad decision-making. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I think I agree. I just don't. I don't know, dude. <laughs> this, this last game hurt my heart, Carson. Like, it pained yeah, me watching I loved that, it, dude. actually. I didn't want them to ever so score. Bad. When Bam missed the first free throw when they were sitting on zero, I erupted with glee. <laughs> I was like, please miss the second. Keep this going forever. That yeah. just sucked so bad. <laughs> All right, what about the Celtics? What are your takes for them? What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Rob Williams is that fucking guy, dude. Um, I don't know. I guess I just – I'm just coming around to – yeah, Boston's Boston's a shit, dude. When they're on, like, it's, it's a very yeah. pretty brand of basketball. It's – they're running teams out of the building. And, again, I don't think it's going to happen to Golden State. But when Boston is playing their best basketball, dude, it is something special to watch. The uh, – I mean, you start with the defense, like just like I talk about Rob, dude. Rob is a game wrecker, and he does scare me for a series against Golden State. Like Looney's great, and I think they'll battle. I think Rob kind of big bodies anybody he goes against, and I think that's also kind of you know Boston's gonna have the size advantage if we get Golden State Boston because it's gonna be Horford and and I don't think Draymond always plays up, but you get what I'm saying. There is gonna be a bit mm-hmm. of a size mismatch there against Boston that scares me. There's a physicality thing that scares me uh, against Boston. The and Boston's defense shows up every night. Um, and then on the offensive end, for Boston to win the series, I mean, you're going to need – or to win the finals, you're going to need Jason Tatum and JB to be at damn near 30 a night apiece because there is a lack of scoring outside of the top two. I mean, again, Pritchard has his games. Horford has his games. Uh, you need your top two to pull their weight. Um, Boston really hasn't done anything that has really surprised me in this series. I will give you a little bit of an anecdote. What was the what was the game where where Boston disappeared completely in the series? Uh, games one and three. Yeah, game three because you know everybody was healthy in game three. My dad literally comes downstairs as I'm watching the game and starts talking about how the fix is in. 
<laughs> and I was like, I was like, Dad, look, bro. It's like Boston just does this, dude. Like they just Boston does just disappear, and they have horrid, horrid games where nothing can go right. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the big thing about Boston is yeah, the lows are really low, the highs are really high. I 100% can see them. Things are going to have to break their way, right? Because if, if we're going just straight up, I think Golden State is the best team in the field. I think Boston can win the finals, though. Things are going to have to break their way. I don't know if that means, you know, injury. If that means a couple plays have to go the right way in the series. Um, luck is going to have to be on Boston's side, ironically, uh, for the Leprechauns. But Nice. Yeah. Boston's just a better team, dude. Boston's... Uh, Boston's got the best defense left in the league. And with a healthy Rob Williams, they're pretty terrifying. Um, I don't think I've appreciated what Rob has done. And I, even though I had him high up in my deploy, uh, first mm-hmm. team all defense, you know, or no, he's second team for me. I've appreciated Rob, I don't think enough, man. He has really imposed his will on this series. I think that you just got to give props to the collective strength of this Boston team, man. Just like, I don't really have a ton to add. I think they're so clearly better. I think that... In a finals matchup, yeah, there are some issues there for them uh, because I just don't think they're as consistent of a two-way force as the dubs have been as of late. But, like, Jason Tatum these playoffs is 27-6-6 on 58% true shooting while guarding at as high a level as basically anybody on the perimeter in the league. Jalen Brown is 23 a game on 59% true shooting. Marcus Smart has been 16-7. and on 38, 36% from deep, obviously defending at a really high level. Horford has been so important on both ends and is giving you almost 10 boards a game and 49% from deep. Grant Williams is 42% from deep. Like, I mean, Hey, shut up. Hey, shut up Peyton, Peyton Pritchard while you're at it, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Yeah. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible two-way team when they're at their best. And the defensive consistency is stellar. They're just... They're incredibly talented, dude. I mean, their top eight guys are just really damn good, and I certainly hope to see them in the finals. Uh, I, I do have. I do, well, first off, I just want to say, man, Peyton Pritchard. He's got that dog in him, man. I, I love sure. Peyton Pritchard. Um, uh, follow up question: Thoughts on Derek White's hair? What are your thoughts? Uh, pretty beat. I think he'd look better bald. <laughs> okay, you're a big fan of the baldness overall. I, I don't agree with that take. I do not think he would look better bald, but you feel cornrows. No, you know what? I honestly don't care that much about Derek White's hair. Dude, it's atrocious. It's, it's so, dude, like that crack, bro, the headband covers up his hairline. That's what you don't see when you're watching these games. That thing is back there, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, man. Yeah. No, I, Derek White is a receding headline. There's no hairline. There's no <laughs> doubt about that, man. No, he's definitely slowly balding, but he still has a lot of hair, which you certainly can't say. <laughs> Dude, you know what also has cracked me Bald up about this series? Seeing the Boston White Boys step on the floor like after in a blowout, you just uh-huh. get you know Luke oh, yeah. Cornett and Nick Stauskas hitting the floor in Hauser. Yeah, <laughs> it is pretty ridiculous. Any final basketball thoughts? Yeah, um, I would put I would taco bet if you don't want to take it. I don't think I don't think Miami picks up another game. I I, I just want free taco at this point. Okay, well I don't want to bet that because um, I don't feel strongly about that at all. Yeah, I mean my final question, like, what does? Yeah, yeah, I have one follow. I have one final question sure. for you to wrap up. Okay. What the fuck does Miami do to get better, Carson? Like, I don't. What do they do in this offseason to make themselves contenders? Uh, add a... Uh, what do they Pete need? Kyle you know? Lowry. Pete Kyle Lowry would have been great for this team. I think that they need more consistent high-level offensive creation from the perimeter. Uh, but like that really feels like it. I mean, if they just had that guy who could break the silent stretches and just impose his will on a defense and score and facilitate for others super consistently alongside Jimmy, then I think they'd be in a really good spot. And I wish that the shooting was a little bit more consistent from them at times. Uh, In their depth, it's like, I mean, if Struess and Gabe Vincent are, you know, your seventh and eighth guys, and wow, you're doing incredibly well for yourself, but that just hasn't been the dynamic of these playoffs. But I don't see, honestly, a good path for Miami just like, 
being a, a title-winning kind of team. I think that there's too many things that would need to change for that to reasonably happen. I think they're going to be have to be content with being good. Okay, and then maybe this is too much of a circumstantial question uh, for you, but I'll go ahead and ask it. I mean, again, because we saw him get close in 2020. We see him get close again this year. Can Jimmy Butler be the best offensive player on a title-winning team? Uh, I think it would be incredibly difficult. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I just think, yeah, they need... Miami needs more offense, and I don't think you're getting Pete Kyle Lowry. I don't know what his deal is. I'm not looking no. at the contracts. I would I would get off of Kyle Lowry. I just think he's – I just don't think he's a valuable asset anymore. Yeah, well, you're definitely not getting Pete Kyle Lowry. Like, the regression, as we've talked about, has been stark. It's two more years of paying him like, wow. like a big boy. So 28 and 29 mil, dude. That's yeah. nuts. And yeah. I think you get off Duncan Robinson's big-ass contract, too. Yeah, those are tough contracts to get off of, though, man. I don't know. We'll see. It has been like a strangely disastrous feel for the Heat, given that they're at two all in the conference finals. Like, it feels like there's a lot to gripe about. And yet, overall, I mean, they're in about as good of a spot as they reasonably could have expected to be. So, these playoffs are crazy. They're fascinating. I mean, so many teams are so deeply flawed, and there was such a lack of clarity coming into the playoffs. It felt like on... Was anybody head and shoulders above? It didn't feel like it, and it has certainly lived up to that reputation. I mean, these are surprising conference finals, I think. They have been weird. They have been wacky. They have been wild. They've been zany. They've been quirky. They've been silly. Yeah, and there is a major opportunity at hand for somebody to cement their legacy. I mean, if Tatum goes out and is the best player on a title-winning team— having averaged 27, 6, and 6 and played at an all-defense level. I mean, that's, like, insane stuff. You know, that's remembered forever. If Steph goes out and wins a fourth title and a second without KD, without a true superstar alongside him, I mean, you know, that's I think that is further changing how we talk about him in all-time conversations. And those, to me, are overwhelmingly the two most likely outcomes, obviously, if the Heat or Mavs did it. Do you think? Obviously, there's a ton on the line there, too. I just don't think that's going to happen at all. Is this a worse supporting cast than 2015? That's an interesting question. I think that it is a better group overall. I think that, I mean, Wiggins is fundamentally better than Harrison Barnes. I think that obviously Iggy was such an important dynamic as just a conductor uh, and a cog in the offense and an all-defense level guy, but Jordan Poole introduces a completely different dynamic offensively and clay isn't quite what he was draymond is pretty close to what he was i would argue overall i mean there were some great role guys on that team ah i don't know actually as i'm looking at the depth that bench was insane but i do think this bench is still really good so i don't know i think it's very comparable between the two of them yeah i just want to know for legacy implications in case we'd look at this as like a uh, I mean, I think this is definitely uh, w- would bump Steph up into the upper echelon of stuff. You know, take him up another notch legacy wise. But I also agree. I think this bench is, I think this bench is better. And then I think the inclusion of Poole and wow. Wiggins instead of uh, is is bigger mm-hmm. secondary offensive weapons is what puts them above 2015. It is incredible though their ability to find just productive role players. I mean, what Bogut was for that team, what Looney has been for this team in the postseason run. It's like they just get smart basketball players who play hard who make the right decisions who are committed to winning and that has been rewarded at an incredibly high level that and of course having Steph Curry and the boys so I think we're done here Logan I think this was a podcast I think we sat down I think we both grabbed our mics and we recorded a podcast and I think we had a good time doing it damn it so buckle your seatbelts up everybody because it's basketball season and we're going to be here through it all nerd sesh that's what they call us over on the internet and also sometimes in person when people see us and recognize us and they say hey that's nerd sesh normally happens when we're together because they recognize the bald fella and me 
Anyways, you can find us all over the place on the internet. Again, that's where you can mostly find us sometimes in person if you're in the right places like Arizona or Virginia or maybe even California sometimes. Sometimes I'm in other places too. I was recently in New Orleans. But you probably won't mostly find me there because I don't spend so much time there on account of I don't live there or have any sort of residence there. Anyways, you can find us normally on the internet on places like TikTok at NerdSesh. Instagram at NerdSesh, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. We're all over YouTube, although we don't do so much there anymore. There was a time where we did a lot of stuff there. Not so much anymore, but maybe we'll get back to it. Uh, TikTok is the place to go mostly and listen to the podcast, which you can find on all audio platforms. And you can also find our second account on TikTok called NerdSesh 2.0, aka NerdSex, where we're going to start posting more silly content. I did an acting challenge there yesterday, so go ahead, follow that. Check out other stuff, cool stuff that you find along your day. Maybe a rock, maybe a pebble, if you find a good throwing pebble or a good walking stick. So I'm Carson Brabber. I'm the bald fella. And this is Nerd Sesh. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.